This is an Anami podcast. Careers are dead. We need to normalize taking career breaks, taking career gaps, taking breaks away to become entrepreneurs, not going back to work after layoffs, and returning back to nine to fives because we choose to. What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Nine to Fly podcast. I am your host, Sania Elamina Flynance, and this is an episode I'm really excited to record because there is a lot I need to get off my chest on this topic around unconventional career paths. So we're going to dive into that. Now, before we do, if you're not already subscribed to 9 to Five, uh, what you doing, okay? Make sure that you are subscribed to our podcast by clicking the subscribe button on YouTube and be sure to follow us across Instagram TikTok, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts if you've been loving the show. Today, we're going to dive into a topic that I don't think we talk about enough, which is how to build an unconventional career path that you love. Because the reality is careers are dead, right? The old, adequated, outdated idea that we are going to work the same job at the same company for 30 or 40 or 50 plus years is just as old as dust at this point, right? We all know that we need to take breaks. We have to experiment, right? Sometimes it's not going to look like just a linear straight path. So that's what I'm excited to share with you today and just kind of talk to you honestly about even some of the unconventional career paths that I still want to explore. Even as someone who has had a lot of quote unquote career success in the past, I still feel like there's always more that I want to be doing, that I want to try, that I want to explore. And sometimes I don't even always feel like I can do it, even as someone who has worked a nine to five and now is an entrepreneur. So the idea for this episode really came to me because I recently tweeted something and shared something that really went viral. So I wrote, quote, careers aren't linear. Let's normalize career gaps, sabbaticals, time away to be entrepreneurs, learning breaks and returning to a nine to five because we choose to. And I received so many types of responses, I'm mostly positive but some negative too, okay? Most folks appreciated that someone like me was saying that, saying what they were thinking, right? That the idea of working the same job at the same company for decades on end with no breaks is severely outdated and also just not sustainable, right? So I think that we're all tired of being shamed and scrutinized for how we choose to make the money that we need to make in our career and how we choose to spend our time, right? Take it from me. I am someone who I feel like is the epitome of a non-traditional or non-linear career path, right? When I started out working full-time, I didn't even know what I wanted to do. I majored in Africana studies and ended up falling into a career path that I didn't even know existed. I've worked multiple jobs at multiple companies. I've been promoted, but I've also been laid off. I'm an entrepreneur, but I also wouldn't mind returning to a nine to five. There is absolutely nothing linear about my career path. And even though I've only worked for about five and a half-ish years, I still feel like I've had a very rich career story. I still feel like I've been able to touch a lot of different things, work on a lot of exciting projects. And even now today, I really feel like I've learned a lot about myself, about what I want out of a career, what type of work I want to be doing. And for the first time in my career, I really feel at peace with myself and with the decisions that I'm making around the work that I'm doing. And I feel like if it wasn't for all of those pivots and leaps that I took, I may not feel what I feel today. So building a career you love, as you can kind of hear from my own experience, is really about experimenting. And I feel like we don't talk about that enough, especially for women, for people of color, especially for black women. We're hardly ever given the space to experiment and actually lead with curiosity in our careers. And I want that for more of us. 
it's about diving into your curiosity and just trusting that voice, like your intuition that's telling you inside you like, oh, actually, we're curious about this or we should do this. But it's also about reflecting on what's most important to you and what your career vision is and just going for it. You know, early in my career, I feel like my vision was because I, you know, was low income and then I was I went to college and Ivy League. I think my vision was I want to work for really big companies. I want to work on really big projects and I want to work for recognizable companies. Back then, because I was just struggling so much financially, I think my career vision was also around making good money. And when I started to do that, my vision started to shift, right? It started to evolve. And I realized it wasn't just about the money. It was actually about financial freedom. It was about the freedom that I wanted. It was about the freedom to be able to travel, to be able to have a career that supported the lifestyle I wanted not held it back, right? So while my path has changed, I really feel like my vision hasn't, right? I still feel like I'm committed to following my own path to build wealth, to experience freedom, and to live a life that I love. And it's about building in a career and now even a business that supports the life that I want. The biggest disservice I feel like we can do is hold ourselves back from exploring what we truly want. And I know I'm saying that as someone who now, as I sit as a high earner and I'm an entrepreneur and all these things, like there's a lot of privilege that comes with that, right? Early on in my career, I absolutely know that I couldn't even afford to think about exploring what I truly wanted because I was just trying to survive. So while I acknowledge the privilege that I have now and being able to say that, I still know that there are many of us listening and watching this podcast right now who truly do want more from themselves and for their careers who have not given themselves a chance to explore that. And I truly believe that even in the face of the economic climate that we're in, there's always room for us to explore new paths, new skills, and new opportunities. We don't have to hold ourselves back to the jobs we've only ever known or just because people have only ever told us that we're capable of doing one thing. We always have the space to reinvent ourselves and reinvent the careers that we have. So let's talk about how do you actually build a career that you love? Well, I got four tips for you. Four tips that have helped me, well, mostly helped me. Sometimes I struggle with some of them, but that mostly helps me build a career that I love that I know can help you too. So first, let your network guide you. You know my story. You know that I fell into product management, not because I heard about it in school or I got a fancy certificate that told me about it. My network guided me to that opportunity, which unlocked a whole new career path for me. So let your network guide you. I think too many of us believe that the only way that we can move up in our career, move and explore in our careers is by just putting our resume out there and applying to jobs. When the reality is there are people in your network right now, today, no matter if you've only been a contractor, a full-time, low paid, you're just graduating. There are people in your network right now that want to help you and that can guide you to that next opportunity and give you that clarity. So let your network guide you. Number two, always be curious, always be learning. You may have heard on a previous episode of Nine to Fly, someone even asked me this question around, well, is it worth upskilling even though, you know, layoffs are happening? And I just vehemently do not believe that we should stop becoming continuous learners. I think there's always space for us to be curious, to be learning. And sometimes it doesn't mean upskilling, but sometimes it just generally means getting to know different people and what different people do at your company, right? If you work at a huge company, you have a huge opportunity to always be learning, curious, and making connections with new people, learning about the work that they do. How do they get to their career path? 
What do they really like to do outside of work? How does the work that they do connect to their passions? And I think the more that you start to be curious, not just in terms of like hard technical learning, but also just in the curiosities of life, the more that you're going to start to get connected with opportunities to kind of make you say, huh, I could do that. Or I didn't even know I could pivot into that. Number three, this might be an interesting exercise, but you should start to think back to what you enjoyed as a child, especially if you're kind of stuck right now on what to do next, or you just have no idea where you want to take your career. Think back to what that inner child within you loves to do. For me, when I was a child, I loved to like play announcer which is so funny. I love to play like New Zealand announcer. So like my dad would get the camcorder out and I would like sit at my little kid sized desk and I would like recite the news. And I thought for a long time that meant that I wanted to be a journalist, that I meant that I wanted to be a news anchor. But I actually think I really just wanted to be someone that could help people. And I wanted to be in front of the camera. So look at me today. I got a whole podcast where I get to talk to you and talk my shit to you on what I think is important and help you navigate. And I really do feel like the work that I do now with finance and even the work that I've been able to do when I was a product manager directly related to some of the things that I enjoyed doing as a child, that I actually did fall into a career path that align with my zone of genius. And because of that, I feel really fulfilled in the work that I do. Not to say that it's not hard. Sometimes it's very hard. But in general, I feel very invigorated by the work that I get to do. And I feel very blessed and humbled by it. And number four, though I don't do so well at this, but sometimes, I won't say that. Okay, number four is to take breaks. Taking concerted breaks within your career. And there are a lot of different ways that you can do this. So like the first time I ever heard sabbatical, for example, was actually... I think it was like in middle school or high school because teachers, right? Teachers or professors, when they've worked a certain amount of time, they often, depending on the university or school system, can qualify for a sabbatical, which is like, hey, we give you some paid time off, right? And that kind of just stuck with me. But now, fast forward to today, I was able to create my own sabbatical. When, when I got laid off and I leveraged my severance to say, I'm not going to return immediately back to work. I'm going to travel. I'm going to go see Beyonce. I'm going to, you know, just take the summer off and have a rich hot girl sabbatical. That was kind of my version of creating a sabbatical for myself. But there are also lots of companies now today that offer career sabbatical for people based on the amount of time that you spend at the company, where maybe you spend five years at the company, you qualify for a 30-day or three-month sabbatical. So you can start to look into companies that offer that. But also taking breaks can just look like taking a vacation where you take a week or a weekend off of work and you don't check your devices, you're not checking Slack or your phone. Taking breaks can also look like you're going back to school, you're going to get your MBA, you're taking time away from work to actually be able to reflect on what you really want to do. You know, I recently ran into a friend from college who's getting her law degree. And she had mentioned how she really appreciated being able to take a break from just working a nine to five and how much she's enjoying being a student again, but also just being able to be curious about what's happening in her university network. She's going to talks and seminars and just doing things that she knows she wouldn't have been able to do when she worked in her previous job. So think about where you can take breaks, whether they are just weekends week-longs or semester-longs or even just breaks to focus on your family, become a mom, become a parent. Um, I think those things are still rich and really do lend yourself to building a career you love and give you the space 
to actually reflect on, are you doing the things that you love or are there opportunities to bring more of that into the work that you do? So what do you think? If you're someone who's listening in and you love what you do, I would love to hear from you because I really want to keep talking more about this topic. So if you are someone who's listening and you fell fell into a career path that you really love, how did you do that? Let me know. I want to hear from you. So actually let me know. Tag at 9to5pod on IG or shoot me a DM so we can keep this conversation going. I want to be able to share more advice from people who have found their career path and fallen into careers that they love so we can share that and inspire other 9to5pod listeners. Now, before we wrap, you know what time it is. It's time for the Hottie Hotline. This is my favorite segment of the show where I get to answer your questions live. So if you have a burning question for me around careers, jobs, money, life, love, and the pursuit of happiness, I want you to check out the show notes and send me a text with your question so that I can answer it on an upcoming episode of the 9 to Fly podcast. Today, I got some juicy questions for you. So let's just dive right in. So the first question, this hottie asked, hey, Sania, after the September surge, which was a possible fail because I heard back from no one about full-time opportunities, we can talk about that. Um, I'd like to know how to successfully pivot into product management. I applied to the inclusive product management accelerator cohort earlier this year, but wasn't accepted. I'm desperate and I do not want to go back into the office. Can you offer assistance for hotties having a hard time pivoting signed over this shit? Well, thank you so much for your question. So uh, I want to break down this question because there was a lot that was said in this question. I want to break down every single piece of it. So first, this person mentioned September surge. I encourage my community to apply to at least 100 jobs to get closer to the six-figure salaries that they want. Now, first, this person said, well, it was a fail because they didn't actually hear back from anyone around a full-time opportunity. And there are many reasons why that could be possible. One, maybe your resume wasn't as optimized. Two, maybe you weren't actually aligned with the right job title. You could have been applying for jobs that you weren't as closely aligned with. Or three, there could also be other things that maybe you weren't able to do, like following up and really just creating more of that 360 approach that we kind of talked about during September surge. So I want to put that out there as sometimes it's not always your fault as to why you haven't heard back from recruiters when you apply to jobs. But there are things that the average job seeker doesn't do that I always want to encourage you to do. So be sure to check out my previous episode where I talked about how to job search effectively for more tips on that. Now, you also mentioned that you wanted to pivot into product management. Here's the thing. When you pivot into product management, there is no industry standard certificate or program that helps you pivot into product management, right? I share programs to help people like you be able to know what's out there so that if you're looking for more concentrated, targeted approach on how to do that, you can feel supported with a program environment. But there is no one program that guarantees you're going to be able to pivot into product management. In fact, I believe the easiest way to Pivot into product management is the same way that I did it. It's by talking to product managers and building relationships with those people and networking your way into that career path. That is how most people land into product management. It's not because they majored in product management or got a fancy product management certificate. It's because they were either at the right time at the right place or they started talking their way onto product teams based on the work they were currently doing. Now, you didn't share what you're exactly doing, so I don't really know what your skill set are 
is I don't really know what types of jobs you've been looking for and want to pivot into. You just said you desperately don't want to go back into the office, but maybe product management may not be the career path for you. I don't know. We can't, I can't say just based off what you shared in your question, but I do want to say in general, if you're having a hard time pivoting, it's always best to go back to my cardinal rule, which is to let your network guide you to those opportunities. I think you need to talk to more people in your network. I need. To, I think you need to talk to old teammates, old bosses, people who are product managers besides just me. If I'm the only product manager you're talking to, that's a problem, right? Talk to people that are working these jobs that you think you're interested in. Get those informational coffee chats. Offer to buy people coffee. Offer to just talk to them for 15 minutes of their time. I think that we sometimes really underestimate how important the right relationships are in terms of helping us pivot and grow our career. So that would be my assistance for you. And of course, the more that I can learn about you and your skills, the more I could offer you advice. So hopefully that helps answer your question. And I want to help you um, hashtag over this shit. So be sure to let me know if that was helpful. Next question is kind of getting more into my story. So this person is asking exactly what was your highest paying position? How many interviews did you have? What types of interviews? What were the questions? How much money did I make per hour? I know it's a salary, but some salary jobs require a lot of hours. Thank you. I'm happy to be as transparent as possible. So my highest paid position was when I was a product enablement manager at PayPal. My salary was $186,000. How many interviews that I had? I had one phone screen with a recruiter. I had a second round interview with the hiring manager. And then I had three or four third round interviews, second or third round interviews with like other peers. So I interviewed with someone that was going to be in my direct team. I interviewed with another product manager that closely supported the team. And I interviewed with another director on another team who I worked very closely with. And then my last round interview was with the most senior person over the team who was the senior director over the team. So in total, I had five, five or six interviews in the whole interview process. Um, it moved very quickly because they were really looking to hire and I actually found that job during September surge 2021 and had an offer by uh, by the end of that year. Uh, 2022, sorry, and had an offer by the end of that year. What type of interviews? All the interviews were behavioral. So even though it was a product enablement role and it was more technical, all the interviews that I had were behavioral. Behavioral meaning I was asked questions like, tell me about a time when, or walk me through, or how would you handle blank? So I didn't have any technical interviews. I didn't have to do a case study. I didn't have any take-home assessments. They were all behavioral interviews, just really asking me to explain experience that I already had and really just kind of gauging if I had the skills and personality that they were looking for. The types of questions were very specific to the role that I was interviewing for, but they just kind of asked me a lot of questions around what my previous experience was and what experience I had. And if I had any, you know, for the role that I was interviewing for, it was, there was a lot of ambiguity, a lot of white space. I kind of came in and stood up the process that didn't really exist. So they were also just kind of gauge if I was someone who could kind of take control, if I wasn't afraid to, you know, get in front of people, chase people down for the right information. So, you know, the questions that I got asked were very specific to that team specific culture in the job. How much did I get paid per hour? I don't really remember what my hourly rate was, but I would say my role, I did not work an extreme amount of hours. I worked 40 hours. And actually at PayPal in that product organization, Fridays were meeting free days. So most Fridays I didn't have any meetings. So 
I would say I was able to consistently get my work done week over week. I never really felt like I was overworked in that job. So I, I would definitely say that hopefully that answers all your questions. If not, let me know. And thank you so much for that question. Okay, last question I have for the Hottie Hotline. I keep getting called in for second round interviews, but I never get the job offer. How can I solidify an offer? Should I be asking for feedback from those I interviewed with? So let's talk really fast about what's happening in the interview process. When you're successfully interviewing at the first stage, if you are getting those interview requests, it means your your resume is optimized, right? So based on this question, I know that this person who's asking this question has the right resume for the jobs they want because they're actually getting callbacks. They're getting those initial interviews and conversations. Now, it says that they they keep making it to the second round, but never the job offer. So in the second round, that's typically when you really have to start to practice your behavioral interview questions. And a great framework that you can research is the STAR, S-T-A-R, interview method, situation, task, action, and result. So if you're telling me that you keep getting called in for second round interviews, but you're never getting the job offer, that tells me that you are not effectively communicating your experience in the behavioral interviews. So that tells me that you need to practice and identify what are the right experiences to show up and explain in an interview using the STAR method. So what that means, based on the job that you're interviewing for, you probably have been asked a lot of the same questions. Think about what some of those questions are and think about a specific example from your previous work experience that could relate to helping you show that you've encountered that situation in the past. So a quick example, as a product manager, a lot of times when I've gone in interviews, I've always been asked the question, tell me about a time where you've had to handle ambiguity. And I would think about a time where in my experience, I had to lead a project where I was figuring out everything on my own and what that experience was like. What was the situation, the taxi action and the result? By telling that story, I can show to that interviewer Hey, yep, I've encountered a similar situation in the past. Here's how I handle it. And here were the results. So that tells me that you need to practice more of your interview skills. I would recommend you look into the STAR interview method and start to practice telling your stories by way of the STAR interview method. When it also comes to solidifying an offer, sometimes interviewers are not going to give you feedback. Now, I think you could always ask, especially if you get feedback where, oh, you know, we decided to move forward with other candidates. Thank you so much for your time. You could ask that recruiter if the interviewers have any specific feedback. They're not always entitled to giving you that feedback, but it doesn't hurt to ask. But I would definitely say in terms of solidifying an offer, sometimes just comes down to variables outside of your control. But if you are consistently not making it to those final round interviews, it probably means that you could be practicing your interview skills a little bit further. Look into the STAR method and really get clear on what are those really strong experiences that you have that you can bring to that next interview. And if possible, start to record yourself when you go into that next interview. Do a little voice memo on your phone so that you can really start to hear back how you sound. Because a lot of times we think we sound so perfect, so eloquent in interviews, and then we hear back and it's nothing but, uh, uh, oh. Um, and sometimes you might need to just have that voice memo as a way to hold yourself accountable and really just hear back how you sound when you're giving these interviews and the nerves and all the things are happening. So I hope that helps you get a little bit closer to solidifying your next offer. So there we have it, hotties. Thank you so much for listening to this episode where I kind of talked on my soapbox a little bit more around really why I think careers are dead and what I think you can be doing to build a career that you love. If you love this episode, I would love to hear from you. Leave me a review. You can actually leave me a review on the 9 to Fly podcast 
on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. And I would love to hear what you think about the podcast and about this episode. Until next time, be sure you subscribe and also follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. And I'll be back next week with yet another episode on how to maximize your career and your money and get closer to that freedom that we all want and deserve. This has been Sunia of Finance for the 9 to Fly podcast, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace out.